0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Electric Underground Podcast. Joining me is a new viewer and new guest to the channel, RJB. Welcome to the show. He actually messaged me in the comment section and said, hey, can I come on the show? And I thought, hey, it would be cool to get someone new with a fresh perspective on the show because it has been a while since I've had a newer player on the channel. So, welcome, my dude. Thanks, Mark.
1: Appreciate it. I I I think it's really cool that you even you know offered to have me on uh some random person messaged in the youtube com- comments and you just bring me <laughs> on so I, th- I think that's great yeah but let's just be a lesson You're gonna get influx. Gonna,
0: yeah no it's like hey hey i have to be in the right mood before i'll just let it, you know the floodgates are not totally open but it had been such a long time since someone had done that i thought okay th- you know this is gonna be cool this it's been a long time and also because um i really wanted to talk about what you suggested too which was a new fresh faced brand new shiny eye perspective on the genre because i've been doing this for quite a while now and talking to people who've been in it for a very long time and sometimes we get a little bit lost in the weeds of our own sort of thoughts and everything so i think having a nice fresh perspective is definitely useful from time to time to keep to keep like you know on track especially since i actually have a lot of questions for you <laughs> just market yeah. research wise anyway so <laughs> I was really excited to bring you on the show. And so the first thing that I want to ask you, and this actually isn't in the outline, but it just occurred to me, is what inspired you to message me in the first place? Like what brought on that uh, that that first initial inspiration?
1: You know, I am generally a pretty, like, you know, I, I enjoy conversation. I like topics, uh, talking with people about random things and um. You know you I would say of the people that I watch shmup YouTube stuff like you're definitely the forefront and I just I don't know I was just like you seem like a pretty down-to-earth guy and I was just like hey if you ever want to have me on just like I don't know just uh, you know Flattery so will you, get seemed, you, everywhere you seemed approachable <laughs> yeah you, you seemed approachable Um, I like your content so figured why not you know you never you never uh, get anywhere if you don't try right so that's exactly right yeah. And I think people will be surprised at how they actually I have a funny little
0: story about this Where people. I'm not e famous enough yet to totally ignore the commenters. You know, maybe someday I'll, I'll be famous enough for that. But it, you'll be surprised what actually happens quite a bit is, you know, I'll put up a video and some of my uh, topics that I cover are kind of complicated or somewhat nerdly controversial, not like real life controversial. But if you're a nerd, you know, it might be controversial. And sometimes I'll get some sort of spicy replies in the comment section and I'll sort of just write something back to them. And I can tell you about 80 percent of the time the people are like, whoa, I didn't you know, I didn't mean to be so mean. I just didn't know you'd actually like read and reply to the comment. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, no, I, w- I will read and reply to most of the comments. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm. A- that's a really good way to get a hold of me these days. Nice.
1: Well, good to be on. So excited.
0: you sort of prefaced your message saying that you were newer to the genre. So I want mm-hmm. to get a little bit more information on kind of your background with shmups, especially your recent background. So what has sort of brought in your renewed interest in the genre? Or maybe this is the first time you've been into them. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I actually never played, um, I never played a shmup before, maybe a year and a half ago, I'd say. Nice. And I mean, you know, maybe, maybe some obscure time I played when I was a kid, you know, or some random thing, but I don't even remember it. So I definitely didn't own any, um, as a kid and didn't, didn't, my parents never took me to arcades or anything like that. So the only times I you know, like go to a pizza restaurant. So you're in an arcade, Mm -hmm. there's like an arcade machine or two or something like that. So, you know, like play the racing game or whatever. Um, but no, I never played any shmups. And so the way that I actually saw this was I can't even remember if it was I saw something from your channel. It might nice. have been, <clears throat> yeah, when um, or it was and and this might be it, actually. Um, so the only thing that I game on right now is the switch. Um, just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a family man, husband, got three kids mm-hmm. I work, you know, so I don't have a, a, a lot of time.
0: I know the feeling. And
1: so, yeah. So I just I just play on the Switch and um saw Crimson Clover.
0: Come oh up, nice. Right, on the
1: eShop. Yes. And I'm like this game looks insane. Like there's a, <laughs> it does like crazy. like a million stars falling and I'm like what is what even is this? <laughs> and so I looked it up and I think that's you know I, I think I found your your YouTube channel on it. Like your review of it oh, on that's the Switch. Cool. The one where I and is so it I the one like, where
0: I talk about like Clover Tack making the game and, mm-hmm. and you're probably like what the hell is this guy even talking about?
1: Yo right yeah <laughs> I was I was like what the heck is going on with this like shmup? like is this is a whole genre that I didn't even know about so yeah I was like you know what I'm just gonna go for it and I'm just gonna get it and see and it was strangely addicting.
0: Oh yeah well what a great sh- shmup to start with you know that's like that's kind of like your your very first time you have pizza and you haven't one of those like great New York restaurants and the, you know the ones that everyone says <laughs> pizza is amazing in. Then you go to like Idaho maybe and you have pizza you're like what the hell? And so that that's this a great crimson, cr- crimson clover is a great way to get into the genre absolutely top tier schmup for sure. And so yeah. what what was your sort of initial experience with crimson clover? So you're playing it on handheld on the Switch, right I, or no?
1: I actually no I docked. Oh, I was okay, docked. And I was playing it with um, with like a, a pro controller. Oh, how do you feel about the pro controller, personally? Like as a piece of hardware, it's a beautiful controller, but not for schmups. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah. the D pad, the D pad, the yes, D pad from hell. Yeah, and actually, that's that's one of the things that I find the most difficult. Well, we can get into this later. We can get into like controller and arcade stick talk and stuff, but um. Yeah, anyway, so I, I was really struggling, right? And so um I was just like like even on novice, I'm just like getting obliterated like stage one, right? Right. I'm like, no, I gotta be better than this, right? So um so I just like kept trying and I ended up getting um like the eight bit do arcade stick. Oh yeah, like... now you're upgrading. So it's it was it's, you know, it's not great, it's not like yeah top end or whatever, yeah. but it's like it's okay. Um And it's easy connect to the switch, so um, then that was like okay now like you know a couple steps forward like ten steps back because I'm getting used to an arcade stick for the first time because I never played on arcade stick before, so that took a little bit to get used to. Um, But now that I've been playing on the arcade stick for a while, it's like second nature. I can't play on anything else, right? Like arcade stick is it.
0: Yeah, especially that D pad from hell on the Pro controller. That thing. I don't know what uh, happened to Nintendo. I don't know if their D-pad engineer got, got assassinated by Sony or what, but th- their D-pads as of late have been pretty awful, and that surprises me. And then on the Switch, they're like, just forget the D-pad. Get that out of here. So right? it is weird. that's
1: the rest of the controller is so good.
0: I know. It is weird. A company that was at one point famous for their D-pad design has really gone downhill in that regard. Right? So it kind of had a really inconvenient time, too, with the Switch and everything. Yeah, I
1: agree. Because, like like you've said multiple times, um, in like a lot of your stuff, there's a lot of good stuff on the Switch. A lot yeah. of good shmups on the Switch.
0: Yeah, I know. The thing is that, as much as I'm not a Nintendo fanboy, you cannot deny, that thing is a Switch or a shmup powerhouse. It's, it's pretty crazy. But I will say, the PS4 too, also is insane. Probably... This generation, by the time we're done with it, the Switch and PS4 will probably be the most shmup-rich platforms outside of the PC. I think at this point, I mean, even the 360 stuff is making its way onto these. So I don't think, especially the PS4 with all the M2 stuff, I mean, I I would have to say at this point it probably ranks as my number one shmup console outside of PC.
1: I had a PS3, and when that died, um, I got the Switch because it's a little bit more... Uh, I... My my excuse was it was a little bit more family friendly, right? So I'm not a, like a huge Nintendo guy either. Right. But that's no, the they I went.
0: definitely came up with a great product. And me, me saying that, I've owned every single Nintendo console. So I, I, <laughs> I'm i kind of an hypocrite <laughs> like that. <laughs> I have a Wii U and all that. Um, I do like Nintendo. Just uh, as of late, I guess I'm kind of dogging on them. Because as of late, I just don't think their, their output has been that great compared to even a few generations ago. So. But the hardware-wise, the Switch is a home run for sure. That thing is an absolute beast, and it has done a lot for shmups. There's no denying that. And so you're yeah. playing Crimson Clover on the Switch. You got your arcade stick. You're you're cooking now. Um, what was sort of your initial goal when you're picking up Crimson Clover? Like, what was the attraction towards that game initially?
1: I don't know. I'm a, I'm definitely a um, a more action-oriented game person, and I do like um, like roguelite type games, right? Where there's kind of like try again, didn't work out, try again, oh, didn't work yeah. out. And Shmups kind of fit that, right? It's like, I mean, it, except for it's the same content over and over. Yeah. It's like try again, try again, try again. And there's action. I'm always moving. So, um, yeah, I, I just really, I really enjoy that type of gameplay. And so, and I'm also very kind of like um, goal oriented. Like I will beat my head against the wall until I get it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it all just clicked with me. The initial goal was like, okay, I want to one CC this on novice. Like that was, that was the original goal. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you say that as far as like wanting to engage with the game, as far as being goal oriented, trying to achieve something in the game, because that's something that, shmups I think especially these days are uniquely suited for that you really are going to struggle to find in a lot of more mainstream style games now unfortunately Mm. and I'm not just saying that trying to be a hipster because as of late I've been sitting and thinking like "Eh, maybe you know it's been a hot minute since I've covered a mainstream game on the channel maybe I'll find one that interests me and cover it and I'm having a hell of a time finding something (laughs) as far as like because the game's just really, you're either just like, for instance, I was going to cover Final Fantasy seven uh, Remake on the channel because I thought, like, okay, this mm-hmm. will annoy a certain amount of my viewers, which might be fun. Nick could also bring a new set of viewers in or I just kind of felt like doing something a little different. But I mean, I couldn't, I the, <laughs> the RPG defeats me as far as patience. I played through the like an hour or two of the game. I'm like, all right, we're good. <laughs> we're set. Did you played the original? No, I've was, I was played the remake. No, I mean, like, way back when did you play the original? On and off. I've never cleared it, but I've played it on and off for years. I've run into the same problem with almost every single JRPG, except Chrono Trigger and Super Mario RPG. I've, I play those quite a bit. But as far as like all the Final Fantasies, up, you know, old school and new school, all the new JRPG stuff, I have the same problem where I play it for about three hours, four hours, and I'm like, okay we're good you know i'm done here like i need i need my you know i need more
1: i need more from you game
0: i need more stimulation so
1: that's what i'm saying you're like you're like you need that action yes exactly yeah i mean i even run into that with like
0: dark souls and stuff too because i was like well dark souls that seems like that might be a little bit more up my alley But at some times, even the pacing of that game can feel a little slow. That's why I like to actually Neo a lot more. And then the problem is when I start playing those style of games, then I just start saying, well, why don't I play Bayonetta? Or why don't I just play some Ninja Gaiden for the five billionth time? So I always (laughs) run into that too, where (laughs) I start off playing Dark Souls. Two hours later, I'm playing Ninja Gaiden 2 again. So yeah, I really wish I could get a little bit more into these other genres, but it's a real struggle for me and so i don't know if this could be sort of an opportunity for shmups and this is one i want to get your perspective on do you Mm -hmm. feel like you have this itch as a gamer that just is not being scratched anymore or is it just sort of coincidence you came across crimson clover
1: no i i actually think that's a really good question because um it's true now that when i try to play games outside of the shmup genre right like they'll hold my attention for maybe a little bit and then i just find myself like yeah maybe i should try another you know go on mm-hmm. resurrection try you know so it's like i do i do struggle to have my attention held by other game genres now and i don't know i don't know why that is i don't know if Mups did this to me but... <laughs> well that is true they will do that to you
0: I mean, I'm, I meant to ask, like prior, like okay, the day you're going through the Steam shop and looking for games, and you come across uh, Crimson Clover, like mm-hmm. what were you looking for, gameplay-wise? Were you looking for sort of like an arcade-style game, or are you just sort of open to whatever you, you'd come across, or were you looking yeah, for something else? Open. And
1: Crimson Clover like got in the way. No, I was just, oh, I was just kind of open and looking at things, and I saw like you know the screenshot of this ridiculous amount of stuff happening like how does anybody see what's happening in this game? right yeah and that's that's the initial like feel of the game too you're like how how am i supposed to know what the hell is happening here but you play it and you just get the feel for it and then you realize like wow this game particularly Crim- crimson clover like the way that the bullets are layered and the metals are coming like it's yeah I know. really it's, well it's, designed like, yeah it's very fabulous
0: well yeah i think um people underestimate because it is such a busy looking game but i don't think what people understand is that that visual feedback of all the stars exploding all the fireworks all the crazy stuff happening that's a a reward system in itself for Mm -hmm. the people who play shmups it's like oh yeah like that's a reward just as much as the points themselves and so I find myself nowadays when I play shmups always thinking like oh this could use a few more explosions this could use some more <laughs> stuff flying out of it and whenever indie developers like send me things and give me my advice one of my most common things is like add more stuff add more explosions add more you know add more visual feedback to your game because that's oh, I don't know that just really makes it feel a certain way and I think cave and uh well um Clo- Crimson Clover isn't cave officially but it's like definitely caves sp- I and mean- in
1: yeah. in design it's in that wheelhouse
0: in it? that wheelhouse absolutely, and I think that style of
1: shmup the cave has really nailed down and uh, a lot of lessons can be learned there for sure. I agree, actually. I like out of everything that I play now, right? Well, I still love Crimson Clover. I still think it's I mean, it might be the best that I've played still. But um, you know, all the cave stuff that that I've picked up,
0: mm-hmm. Mushihimi
1: Sama is yeah. is great. Yeah, Braid, Esp galuda Two. Um, I just got death smiles, like these are all great. I know, it's crazy how much of them are ending up on the
0: Switch. I think a reason for it too, is just stuff seems to sell on the Switch. I mean, I can't know that for sure, but just judging by things, it seems like for the first time in a long time, shmups are moving sales-wise on this platform. So I could see why uh, developers really target the Switch for shmups. In that sense, too, like why Crimson Clover came to Switch first. I think they mm-hmm. knew like, oh, we're going to get more sales initially on the Switch. And then when we bring it to Steam, we got to worry about, you know, supporting the PC side of things and figuring out the pricing and all that sort of stuff. So I can Rolling Gunner, same thing. So I can't you can see a trend of this happening quite a bit where shmups seem to be making their way
1: to the Switch right out the gate. I have a question for you, actually. This is my podcast now. <laughs> You're taking <laughs> over. The takeover. Um, so one thing that I was thinking about in terms of... So all of, these, all of these games, right? I don't know if all of them had novice modes to begin with, but many of them have novice or mm-hmm. super easy or whatever they're called. Yeah, modes, yeah. Which I think is fantastic for new players because it gives you a potentially achievable 1cc to get you hooked in there kind of in the same vein as like fighting games, right? Where there's like there's almost like a gatekeeping situation there. It's like mm-hmm. the arcade mode is so hard, right? <laughs> yes. And that's just, and that's just like that's normal mode, right? Yeah. And then you have you have like, you know, they name them ridiculous things like baby and yes, super yeah. e- Yep. And I feel like the modern gamer, right? And we, we could get in all sorts of psychology and stuff on this, right? You know, Definitely.
0: I'd be interested a lot of people
1: tend to utilize gaming, not necessarily as a pastime, but also somewhat as like an escape. People have like, you know, ego issues and stuff like that. So yeah. you start calling something super easy or uh-huh. baby mode or whatever you want to call it, and it immediately turns people off and then they quit and they don't want to play anymore. Whereas if you called that normal, And then arcade was hard mode or whatever. I think you could get more people and they wouldn't be so turned off and like, you know, hurt by the idea that, oh, I have to play baby mode to win.
0: Yes. I, I, I've actually, I think I mentioned this in some M2 review at some point, somewhere, (laughs) somewhere. But I agree 100%. They need to change these naming conventions because they're, they're, they're not, they're not good. Like you're saying, because what will happen is players come in and you can't like, okay, you clear novice mode. You can't, like, walk into the living room and be like, yo, I beat novice mode. And everyone's like, really? You beat novice mode? <laughs> right. Or on social media, you, are like, post novice mode, bitches. You know, it's just not... It doesn't have that ring to it. And mm-hmm. uh, what's funny is, like, Cave, have, they, like, figured it out and then they forgot that they figured it out. Like, they figured this out with Death Smiles with rank one, two, three, And then mm-hmm. it defaults to rank 1. So everyone's like, oh, crap, I beat Death Smiles, you know, on rank 1. But... That doesn't, it's more obscure towards it being easier than, you know, baby rank or whatever it is, or super easy mode. And I think what's funny is it's actually, I think a little bit of if M2 had a proper localization team, they wouldn't make this mistake. Because I think it is a little bit like trend, not translation technically, but like cultural translation misunderstanding where they think super easy sounds like. Super easy, you know, and they're, they're Japanese and Japanese t- seem to have a more like realistic reflection of their own skills and stuff like that. So th- like Japanese people will be like, oh, I love super easy mode and be fine with it. But like Westerners, we have much bigger egos, so we're not going to go for super easy mode. Yeah, those definitely should be changed to something a little bit more obscure and it should sort of default to them. A good example of this is Don Maku Limited 3 has spirit mode. And yeah. what's the other version? Spirit mode and Grace mo- mode? Graze mode. That's it. Yeah. And then there's there's so many difficulties. Yeah, spirit and graze mode. There you go. That's the correct way to do it. Where spirit mode is the easy mode or the easier mode for sure. I mean there's no denying that. You get the bullet cancels mm-hmm. and then you get the auto bombs and everything
1: like that. But it's also really fun. I actually
0: prefer playing spirit mode over graze mode.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I prefer I prefer spirit mode. That was another that was um, Don Maku Unlimited Three, easy, one cc which is still really hard in my opinion. But
0: <laughs> yeah, Death a little uh, little has a little more teeth in the easy modes than um mm-hmm. like novice Crimson Clover does or the novice cave modes do. Yeah. I think that that is a really good schmup for people to study as far as like difficulty selection, difficulty curve, all that sort of stuff. I think that game really does a lot of that
1: stuff, right? hmm I agree. I was gonna say that game one CCing that when I finally got that, that was like my my peak. That that was like one of my gaming peaks. I would say it was like it was felt so good, and yeah. I think that one CC was what ultimately solidified for me. Like, okay, this is the genre that I'm gonna stay with.
0: Well, that's yeah, that's cool because I was really that was one of the first shmups I was really into as well. And uh, I think what's fun about Don Kong to Three is that. Like the stages on easy mode are pretty nerfed, but the boss fights are like not as They're nerfed sh- as you would think. <laughs> so you yeah. still have to
1: kind of struggle on those bosses, even in easy mode. And especially the the final boss. Yeah, even on easy mode is still like you got to learn the patterns. You got to practice a little yes, bit because yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love. But there's it. something about weaving through those patterns that is just like I don't know. It, it hits a different chord with me, and it's really. I think why Bullet Hell and it is feels so good. I don't know, Cave feels so good, right?
0: Yeah, I think Don Machiko three does a great job of fusing Cave and Toho style shmupping together because it has a lot of elements from it that are very Toho, and then it has a lot of elements of it that are very Cave, and it sort of brings them together in a really cool fusion. I do think uh, people should uh, take it a little bit more seriously than people do, but. It's a very, very cool game. So definitely a, another great one to have on the Switch for sure. And I actually played a lot of the Switch port because I it was I played on hand I played on handheld mode all the time for a long time because it was one of the early Bullet Hells on the Switch before we got mm-hmm. all the Cave stuff. And you, I had to get my Bullet Hell in, so I was playing a lot of Dan Three for quite a while on the Switch. Were you using Joy Cons? No, I was using the setup that I have, but instead of the, the split pad pro hadn't been out, but the Hori D-pad was still, was out pretty early. So I had the Japanese Hori D-pad and then a stupid Joy-Con on the right side. But at least I had the D-pad. Then again, nice. though, since you're playing uh, horizontal, you know, it didn't because my flip grip, you know, I, I don't think it works all that great. Um, I had to, like, put my face right up to the console, like, right on my face to play it. <laughs> dodge some of those bullet patterns.
1: That's a good question, too, because you, um, you know, so we already talked about, like, I got Arcade Stick, and you obviously are a big Arcade Stick guy. Like, do you think that having an art? So for for a novice schmuck player, right? Do you think that having an Arcade Stick to play versus not is important? And then follow up to that is when you have a low or medium end Arcade Stick versus, you know, putting that that Sumitsu lever in there or whatever and Mm -hmm. the good button like how much of a jump up again is that that's a
0: great that's a great question because i think like the 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 i guess technical answer is no as far as do you need an arcade stick no technically you don't because there are an insane amount of players who are incredibly talented on pad like to a Mm. stupid degree And uh, unfortunately, I had this whole theory for a long time that you couldn't, you literally couldn't play shmups on 360 pad. I was like, no, it's impossible. It's pointless. You're, you know, you're really hurting yourself. And then of course, Gus comes along and like clears Futari Ultra on a freaking 360 pad. So I was like, okay. So that that whole theory is out the window. Jamers plays on a Saturn pad. But I will say that I think there is a sort of element to learn to getting a stick though that is worthwhile because. It, it's sort of a buy-in into the genre in a real physical, tangible way that you can't quite get if you just sort of play with your pro controller or anything like that. For, for example, when I got into fighting games, you know, I, for a while I was playing on the D-pad on the PS3 and everything like that, and, like, technically, you that's perfectly fine. A lot of pro players play on D-pads, especially on PlayStation pads, so I could have just stayed on the pad, but I felt like I needed a little bit more buy-in into the genre you know a little bit more of a physical way to get into the genre so i got myself a cheap hori arcade stick this was my very first one it was wasn't great but it wasn't horrible but it wasn't like saimitsu or Sanwar or anything like that it was one of their own crappy pri- prior proprietary ones and i think that step can be a useful step forward for people because You have this sort of dedicated peripheral that you're using for shmups. It sort of sets the genre apart in your mind. You have this sort of physical thing hanging around, reminding you, hey, you know, you're not playing shmups recently. Look at the dust here. You know, you need to get back to it. So I think in a lot of ways, I would would definitely say if you want to sort of get yourself a little bit more invested into the genre, getting an arcade stick is a good way to do that. And also they're just awesome. So there's that. And, uh, really fun, yeah. I and I play everything on arcade stick. I, like I went so full arcade stick. I don't play anything on arcade stick unless it forces me to play on a pad. So, like all two D stuff, at all, I play on arcade stick. I only play on pad for like purely you have to have two analog sticks type of thing mm-hmm. going on, like a Neo or Ninja Gaiden or whatever. But anything outside of that, I'll I will get out the arcade stick for.
1: I find that having the arcade stick makes me more likely to also play like a beat-em-up or... Right, yeah. You know, it gets you
0: thinking because it's an arcade peripheral. So you're like, crap, I need an arcade right. game to go with it. Exactly. Yeah. So were you interested... Were, what genres were you into? You mentioned roguelike. What other genres were you into prior to uh, getting into Schmuck?
1: Um, I played some RPGs. Um... I would play I would play things you know like well my old gaming days were like real-time strategy
0: oh that's awesome um,
1: so like Age of Empires type stuff and we uh, I had a friend that I'd play any brood War? I didn't play Starcraft oh I love Starcraft mm-hmm. brood war that
0: was like my favorite game before schmutz
1: maybe there's a some sort of common thread that we're not finding here it's well like I do all know- these on a no. really
0: old episode of the podcast, I interviewed Prometheus, and he w- he's a really talented shmup player. And one of the main sort of inspirations for me getting into the genre, and he was really into Brood War. And so we had, I was like, oh, this is the thing. I was like, oh, this is a thing. Shmup players love Brood War. But it was really just, I think, me and him. <laughs> I don't think there's a huge crossover. But uh, now you're the third. You can join the crew of the
1: RTS to shmup fans. I mean, you think there's like... a. <laughs> There's a lot of frenetic movement. I mean, yes. if you're playing RTS as well, right? Like, you're all yeah. over the place. And so, you, there's I, that you space
0: know. control, too. Like, you're there's some points in Brood War where you get out the siege tanks and stuff. It feels a little shmup-like. You get out the siege <laughs> tanks, you get out the, the carriers, and you're covering the, the sea and the land and the air, especially if you play Terran. I don't know. It gets a little shmup feeling at times. <laughs> so... All right. Plus, there's, uh, if you don't know, there's Mission Craft, the greatest shmup of all time. Which is a uh, ROM hack of, uh, uh, I think it's Strikers 1. It's either Strikers 1 or 2 using Brood War sprites. So you can, I'm definitely going to cover that on the channel soon, but that's that's, just a fun idea. So
1: it's a literal StarCraft map. You have so much more knowledge in this area than me. (laughs) That's
0: fine. I'll be lost in that conversation. Yeah, that's fine.
1: But so you were more into like Age of Empires. I think that game's really fun. Uh, So did you play competitively? Uh, we play, you know, um, we played online, but not competitively. I never did any real competitive gaming, so mostly just things. and you know, more recently, lighter things. You know, Mario, Zelda, you know, stuff like that. Which types of Mario and, and Zelda's?
0: Like the old school ones, or are you playing more like the uh,
1: the more recent three D one? Um, both. I I really loved uh, uh, Mario as a kid. And so having all of these ports on the Switch, right? Like they had um, the 3D All Stars port, so you could play Mario. Oh, 64. yeah. Or yeah, yeah. You, um, there's obviously Mario Odyssey, and there's some of the Wii U 2D Mario stuff coming. So there's a ton of different Mario games that you can play now on the Switch. So do they just, have Mario Three on there yet? They don't. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe like Nintendo Online or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. I think they might have virtual console well nintendo on their virtual
0: console it's a, uh, it's, uh, it's hot and cold they'll give it they'll give it to you on one and then on the next one they'll take it off again and on the next one they might bring it back again i'm just keeping a running tally of how many times <laughs> i've bought mario 3 i once i hit like 20 <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do but i've bought that game so many times now uh it's just funny oh so good though it is well it's my favorite mario game um yeah I actually just did it's going to come out on the channel here soon I'm going to do the commentary for it but I just did a no death warpless clear of that game and that was surprisingly way more of a time sink than I thought it would be I thought I'd sit down and be like oh you know I'm a pro, I'm pro this at out. this stuff these days let me, let me bust this out well the game is like an hour and a half long if you don't warp and then it has all these nasty little traps that that can get you like the fish that eats you in stage 3 or whatever or land 3 so it took me three days and about like nine hours of attempts to finally get the thing. But it was actually a lot of fun. But but anyway, so we're talking about... Um, so you're into RTS, you're into um, platformers, 3D platformers. Mm-hmm. Any yeah. arcade genres that really stood out to you?
1: When I was a kid, I loved the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 arcade beat up Oh, that's a good one. That was on NES. I mean, I played the heck out of that thing when i was a kid um so i really loved beat-em-ups as a kid but um you know i don't it's weird how you kind of go away from some of these things that you really really loved yes and so i hadn't but then once i got the arcade stick you know then fight and rage and streets rage 4 i got both of those which both great Great. games fight and rage is fantastic yeah that's my favorite you know,
0: what's funny is that uh, there's some controversy among my fans of, on the Perry system where some of them, like myself, love the Perry system. We're all about the Perry system. Then other people are like, I hate the Perry system. It's stupid. I wish there was a block. But what do you think? Would you do you like the Perry system or do you would you prefer a block?
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't even <laughs> say that. <laughs> I haven't I haven't played it enough yet. I mean, I've played it enough to see that it's really, really deep but um you know I, I play too many shmups to have enough time yes,
0: yes <laughs> that's true and the thing about the parry system is like uh it, you really do need to sit down and practice it like a fight that maybe that's why i like it you know it kind of reminds well it's definitely inspired by third strike and so you really will have to go into training mode and like learn the enemy's strings and parry their strings like in a fighting game i think that's mm-hmm. the coolest thing ever i love that and I, I prefer that over, like, just standing and blocking things and stuff. So I, I love the parry system in that game, but uh, that was interesting. I mean, Some I think are, anything that increases the
1: skill ceiling, right? I think that's cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. I guess it's just sort of a different style of beat-em-up. A, a rare one. There's really not a lot of beat ups like it. Maybe that's why I like it so much, where it's so fast-paced, and you can... There's supers and parry. It's like a fighting game beat up mesh that works so well.
1: Yeah, the combat system is really deep compared to a lot of other ones mm-hmm, i agree
0: so you've been uh working the arcade stick what are you have the eight bit uh eight bit dough are you thinking of upgrading that are you invested enough to do that yet
1: are you still kind of i'm i'm cool thinking it about is. it yeah <laughs> no I'm, I'm thinking about it i'm because my actually so when i play something like esperate mm-hmm. i have the hardest time with that game because trying to get small movements uh, out of yeah. the arcade stick is like, you know, you're trying to do, and then you do this, and then you hit a bullet, and you're, <laughs> yeah. Di- so it's like there's some, and I'm not sure if it's the port or if it's the game itself or if it's the arcade stick, because I don't always have, because like Espaluda, I don't, Espaluda 2, mm-hmm. don't have that issue. Like I can get real nice little movements, but Espaluda, no. Well,
0: Espaluda. So, is a little bit of a funkier shmup just in itself movement wise. I don't know why Cave made it that way, but they did. Like like the, the movement in that game is a little bit funky, like the way they lean and stuff. The hitbox moves around in kind of a funny way. And so that can be part of it. And also part of it is like the way the concentrated shot works in that game is a little bit funky too where if you want like a true concentrated shot, what you should do is you should do rapid concentrated and then the special shot and then then you get that more like clean movement, slow down movement out of it. I, I there's just a lot of like once you get the hang of it, I love the the movement of the game. It's you can get like real technical with it, but initially it is kind of a funkier feeling shmups so that could be part of it, but it also could be like the input lag from your stick. It could also be just your sticks parts are a little bit more spongy. I'm, I'm not sure. They Uh,
1: definitely are. Yeah. Like you can tell, like even now from when I got it, it's getting a little, a little too much play. Yeah.
0: Well, I had Mm -hmm. an old heart, Hori arcade stick. That was one of those cheaper ones where I took it apart one day and looked at it. It was like rubber on the inside. And then it was like plastic and the micro switches were just like built into it in a weird way. It wasn't anything that you see on like a San or a Mitsoon after a while that thing i just had to had to upgrade and so like once i made the upgrade i was like oh this is a big jump in quality so it depends on the thing about arcade sticks when it comes to sort of the price ranges of them is the the law of diminishing returns is like really really real with arcade sticks where if you go from like a cheap really cheap one to a standard really good one that's like a massive jump. It's like a massive mm. improvement quality. But then when you go from like the $300 stick to like the $800 stick or the $1,000 stick, it's like very microscopic improvements. <laughs> but uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind. But that first leap from sort of like the 8-bit do to like a proper Hori stick or whatever, that's
1: going to be a real nice improvement, I think. Okay. See, that kind of answers the question we can back, you know. <laughs> like 20 minutes ago or whatever. So th- yeah. I, I think that's that's good. I think that's good for people to know too. Like if if you're trying to get into shmups and you're having a hard time, yeah. maybe the arcade sk- arcade stick jump is going to be helpful.
0: Yeah, well, it is it's a sort of a double-edged sword because like especially compared to playing on some crappy old d-pad or whatever, it's going to be a huge improvement just technically speaking. But Mm -hmm. you have to learn to play an arcade stick. So you have to, like, learn two things at once. You have to learn to, you know, chew gum and run at the same time, basically. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: When I made the transition arcade stick, I just died over. And and it was, like, it was totally awful. And you kind of have to push through that wall. Like, you have to know that, okay, eventually I'm going to get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My advice has been that maybe what you want to do is you start playing more familiar games before you full like you play shmups but then when you start getting frustrated you like bust out donkey kong country or like a game you're familiar with and play it on stick too that way you're not fighting the game as much you can really focus on the arcade stick that i think that's a very useful strategy to learning the stick is like you you play it in the game but then also you take a break and play it in like easier games that you're familiar with just to get those built into your hand a little easier
1: i think that's a really good uh really good tip
0: yeah I know a lot of people especially did, who like sure. get arcade sticks and then they're trying to learn like Tekken Korean backdashes and wave dashing as like the right. first thing. That's like, you know, that's a huge leap in difficulty. And what's funny is I actually had to learn how to Korean backdash and wave dash on a pad, even though I had a stick. I had to learn how to do it on the pad first and then translate those movements over to the stick. Cause I couldn't just initially learn it on the stick.
1: So at the point you're at now, How do you feel about you know like these novice modes and things? Like is that just like I jump like I jump in and I just like clear it no problem? It's so easy. Oh, I never play them. I
0: like never play them. I uh, the only one that forced me to play it was Rolling Gunner because that game is so freaking hard that even I was like, whoa, okay, I need to play the novice mode a little bit here. But like all the super easy modes. And all that stuff. I never play those modes anymore. I jump right into arcade. But that's sort of like... just the fluency in the genre. As you improve in the genre, that, that'll become more and more natural to the point where you don't need to, uh, need to play the earlier modes. But at the same time, I think they're very useful to have in there. And uh, there's no shame in learning the early modes first. Because what's going to happen when you first get into the genre of shmups is you're going to have that wall of difficulty that you just feel like you can't get across ever and getting more in time in the genre playing those early easier modes is a really good way to move towards getting past those difficulty walls
1: yeah I was going to say I think that um, there's a huge discrepancy actually in the difficulty in those novice modes depending on what game you play (laughs) yes no standardization at all no and it's actually kind of frustrating, because when you when you do something like like okay Esperade, that novice mode was like first try, no miss for me or something. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like it was just they, they it, went a little they went a little overboard on that one. Yeah, it's just so ridiculous. And then you go to something like um, you know Crimson Clover novice mode, which is not that easy to clear. Yeah, that one's 16. really,
0: really well done. I think that's one of the better ones. Yeah. Or the fun one is you, you go into S. I did this for a few years. You go into SDOJ, and you accidentally select expert novice mode, and so it's like still hard. You're like, oh my god, how hard is this game? Because that game has a hidden difficulty where if you choose the expert ship, it also changes the difficulty of the mode. Um, Mushi yeah. Misama has that actually too. If you go to ultra novice mode. That's kind of a fun time. It's harder than arcade mode, or about as hard as arcade mode.
1: I just got my Mushi, uh novice one CC. What, so,
0: were you? Uh, did you see the Ultra Novice mode? I did not. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's in the Switch port. I'll have to double check. But I
1: think no. I think it is. Um, I just didn't. I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this thing. And I'm find <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, I can't remember what the original Novice mode feels like.
0: Mushi's an interesting one because. Each difficulty mode actually changes the style of the game a bit. So, like, if you play normal Mushi mode, it's a Toplan-style game. It's like an old-school-style bullet hell, or shmup, where it has, like, faster bullets but less bullets. It's, like, more old-school. Then you go into Maniac, then it becomes Cave Bullet Hell. And then you go into Ultra, and that's, like, you know, Cave Bullet Hell on crack. But uh, actually, the difficulty between the normal and Maniac is not a huge difficulty difference but they're uh they're different styles so i actually struggled a little bit with Mushi original difficulty over the maniac difficulty for a little bit there because i was more used to the bullet hell style than the like
1: fast uh plan style i find that style to be really difficult the the fast moving bullets yeah because i think that there's right like you you get the ability once you've played for a little while, like play shmups for a little while, I couldn't do this in the beginning, but I can now, you start to be able to see the patterns shift and where holes might develop. And so when you have bullets that are moving slow enough in something like, um, I mean, Crimson Clover is kind of like this, Don Mako Unlimited Three definitely, Mm -hmm. like you can kind of make your way to the places where you need to be um, without having seen the pattern before and yes. you might be able to get through it. But Mushi is like everything's moving so fast that you can't like if you've not seen that pattern before, you're probably just going to die.
0: Yeah. Or oh, I remember the first time I played. Have you played any of the Raiden games yet? I haven't. I, I really want to get Raiden 4. So I I was playing. I don't know if they have Aces yet on the Switch or not. They It's on the 360 and it's my favorite Raiden port. I love the Raiden Fighter Aces series. And I remember when I was first playing that, like getting just obliterated by, and this was when I was like much more familiar with the genre. This was like last year or something. So I wasn't like new to the genre and I was just getting absolutely obliterated over and over and over. And I was like, how am I getting beaten so badly? And I learned that actually the way you have to play those fast bullet hell style shmups is sort of a different approach than to a, a traditional bullet hell. Like the way you have to manipulate the bullets and stuff is different. For example, At least in Raiden, what I found was like in a cave game, like sort of sitting center screen is always sort of a good idea in a lot of cases because it gives you nice screen control. You can suppress everything down. You can make sure everyone's behaving themselves. And then you have space to move around, up and around bullets and stuff. So that's always kind of like your default position in a in a cave game. But I was finding in like those faster bullet games like Raidens and Psychos and stuff that being on the sides of the screen can actually be really beneficial too because like you sort of need to I explained this in the in video a little bit better than what I can remember but you sort of need to manipulate the bullets into like more extreme angles than you do and that way you get more time to see the bullet right so for example right like in in, you're sitting in the mid-center screen there could easily be a ship that spawns like from the side of the screen and shoots you, and you have like one second to respond to that. Whereas in a cave game, they don't really do that the same way. Right. Right. So like in Raiden, like there's there's times where like you want to just hold on to the, you want to push up against the side of the screen, and then you're you're doing suppressive fire on the, let's say the right side of the screen. So you're killing anything that's spawning on the right, and then everything that's spawning on the left, they have to shoot diagonally at you. And then you get a little bit more time to see those bullets coming at you. Uh, so it is di- it is interesting. I think there is a little bit more memorization though. You do need to actually know like where where they're going to spawn, where they're going to shoot you. But like even the way you approach the sort of basic setups and stuff is different between the two styles. I think.
1: Oh, you did had I... said before. Oh okay. no, no, no sorry, that was just me thinking. Oh, okay. You had said before <laughs> that. Um between death smiles and death Miles two you actually prefer death smiles one you don't really like Death Smiles too much absolutely <laughs> of the two which one do you think is more beginner friendly because I'll, I'll tell you what i think but then i want to i want to hear your opinion
0: oh i i don't know because i only play death smiles two a little bit and that could the problem is is that I play it's like one of those issues where I play Death Miles 1 so much that I just know the game like mm-hmm. I know the game really well so to me it's like everything's obvious like oh they spawn here you go here but probably objectively speaking Death Miles 2 because Death Miles 1 has a very complicated control scheme where you have like all these different buttons you need to know how to man- manipulate them you need to know All the different ways the things spawn. I think it is probably the harder of the two games as a new player, but that's just a guess. I actually don't know. So, what was your experience with it?
1: Yeah. That. (laughs) Death Miles 1. So, okay. okay. So, Death Miles 2, like you said, it's a little simpler in terms of the gameplay. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good introduction, actually. You were talking about Don Maku Unlimited 3 earlier being a really good introduction for Bullet Hell. I think Death Smiles is actually a really good introduction to Bullet Hell as well, because you get a lot of shifting patterns. The patterns can be fairly dense, right. but they're not really fast moving. Yeah. And you can kind of maneuver your way. And so that that one CC wasn't bad at all. Um, but I still haven't one CC'd uh, the original Death Smiles. There's so many situations, like you said, where. <laughs> yes there's things coming from places and like I'll be over here because I'm like okay I'm trying to like avoid this stuff and then something comes from right here and just hits me. Yeah. You know what I mean and or one of the ravens or whatever is going (laughs) to shoot a bullet that's actually kind of fast and you don't see it and so yeah there's a lot of those little instances where you kind of need to know where things are coming from otherwise you can get easily sniped and you just you know Plus there's the final stage the castle where Cave was
0: like eh give us your quarter now because it's like a <laughs> massive jump in difficulty compared to the other stages. It is. <laughs> they're just a like, huge jump. Yeah, they're like, no, oh, no, just pay up already because I remember even initially playing on rank one, I was like, whoa, this stage is pretty wild as far as all the different stuff it throws at you. And it also uh, challenges you to do this maneuvering that's very just death smiles, where you need to be able to shift around your option in all these complicated ways that you mm-hmm. don't really need to do in the other stages. So yeah
1: I could see that being a a nice jump in difficulty for sure yeah and if the last stage doesn't get you the final boss is brutal oh
0: oh yeah a a huge tip for that final boss that uh, is a little bit hidden tech here is if you save up so don't spend your hyper on that section going into the final boss you know the one where it's like those dancers or whatever as tempting as it is to hyper there Hold on to that hyper for the boss, because if you hyper him uh, like a little bit into his, the
1: first or the second,
0: the first one, Both. the first the okay. first phase of it, uh, if you hyper okay. him, uh, that cuts down on his nastier patterns at the end because his mm. end patterns are ruthless. And also, if you don't bomb him ever, so you just don't ever bomb him, you get two extra extends from him. He'll drop an extend item with two extends. So that's the secret on that guy. Yeah, that's a huge like, whoa, because <laughs> you can save yourself. It, it, it's a run breaker or maker. Like if you get that extend item, you're like, you're good. You're good to go. And if you don't yeah. get the extend item, you can still make it, but it might be a little dicey. So there's been yeah, some I've I- had some fun runs where you've done some funny strategies where, you know how if you take physical damage in the game, you lose half a bar. Yeah, yeah. So I had this one run. It was a rank three. I think it was my very first rank three clear. Where I had one bar left and it was during that one of the more difficult patterns the one where he flies around and there's all these bullets everywhere um well that's all the patterns but he like flies around at you sort of tracks you and uh what I did was I rammed into him and lost half the bar but during the invulnerability of the of that uh, ram I point blanked him and killed him and got the extend item so that's a little trick you can do on that on that boss, too, is all, all else fails because if you hit a bullet, it'll take your whole bar. But if you like ram into him specifically, you can point blank him. So uh, that's a little tip, too. But yeah, the final boss in Death is a tough one. And there's no way to train against it without maim or whatever. So that's also tricky, too.
1: Yeah. And the Switch version does have, um, you know, like a, a training mode but you can't just do the final boss. You have to like go through the entire stage. I know, and Cave, why? Because Cave on all the other ones
0: doesn't do that. Like all the other games, Cave did on the 360, they had boss selects,
1: but on Death Miles, they didn't, and I never understood why. So Cave is not anymore like, making anything, right? Is that right? Mobile shmups, it
0: seems. that There's this one mobile shmup that they work on almost constantly, it seems, uh, fun fact the de- the uh, DLC characters in the Death Miles port they're from that mobile shmup that Cave works on all the time
1: but it's like why are they not making any more <laughs> like proper shmups if they're, if they're still around and doing things
0: I think from what I understand that the mobile market for shmups in Japan is like insane lucrative and so uh. they're like making way more money doing that these days than they were you know making proper arcade style shmups and everything which is a shame that's too bad yeah, no, yeah it, that's too bad a shame yeah so i don't know if we'll ever see another cave like you know food uh mushi Misama sequel or another cave shmup proper cave shmup maybe but hasn't looked that way for a very long time unfortunately but oh, you will get all people who so like good. branch off of cave and do stuff like rolling gunner from what i understand had some cave staff involved in that you yeah, haven't played rolling rolling gunner yet Ah, that's one you got to pick up. That one's on the Switch. That was one of the OG Switch shmups because it initially came out on the Switch and the, if you wanted to play it on the PC, you had to order it physically from Japan and from like this little website and everything. But you could get uh-huh. it on the uh, Switch eShop. So for a long time, people were playing Rolling Gunner on the Switch. And I think I, they had one of the reasons I have DLC on the picked... Switch for a while too.
1: One of the reasons why I haven't picked that up is because... I was unsure how the rolling gun worked. Like, I was like, "Do I need twin stick for this?" Like, what? Is, I think
0: what's the- funny is in the DLC, you do. So, like in the DLC mode, you use you use like the right analog stick or something. But in the traditional mode, no, you don't. It's it's all analog controls. You played on an arcade stick and everything. But I won't lie; it is a very technical game as far as controlling that rolling gun. That is part of the appeal of it. Like, it's. There's nothing quite like it, controlling that thing. But it is, it is tough. It's a hard one. It's one of the hardest shmups I've ever played. Oh, wow. It does have a novice mode, though. That's really good. But that novice mode is pretty tough, too.
1: And I haven't played Ikaruga, either, because I'm not a huge fan of puzzle games. <laughs> yes, the, the famous Ikaruga. <laughs> That's... I did. I, that, that was me call back to you on <laughs> yeah, videos, by the, the way.
0: Ikaruga is not a puzzle. Game? Yeah. oh my gosh I know I think the people who've seen that video tend to it's not as popular as I was hoping it'd be but oh yeah all these years I cannot tell you Every it's like a it's like contractually obligated whenever you review Ikaruga to mention it's a puzzle game and to talk about it puzzle elements and yeah I don't want to go on the whole rant about that but yeah I think Ikaruga is an interesting one because it's a very particular style shmup like some, some and it's not just like Casual versus hardcore or anything like that. Like some really hardcore shmup players love Ikaruga. Like I know Plasmo definitely does. And a lot of really talented shmup players love it. Then other ones don't like it as much. And I'm kind of in the middle. Like I try really hard to get into it. But I just can't. The same way as I could uh, Radiant Silver Gun, for example. So someday, someday I think I'll try to play it and do a good job in it. But I just like it has a certain pace to it that for me is just hard to get into. It's a very slow-paced shmup. At least
1: initially, in the first few stages. The Dark Souls shmups. There you go, yeah. (laughs) I I actually... That's one of the reasons I haven't picked it up, is because intuitively, it felt like it had to look... It looked like it had to feel slower. Um, Yeah, yeah. And just... Obviously, there are puzzle elements to it. I'm not going to say it's a puzzle game, but obviously, there are some puzzle elements to it. And... um, it just didn't look like it, it just didn't appeal to me. Well,
0: what's funny is like Ikaruga for I don't know if it's starting to finally sort of lose its sheen a little bit. But for a really long time, that was the shmup, you know, like, if you ever said, hey, have you ever heard of shmup or ever played shmup? They're like, oh, Ikaruga, Ikaruga, like it was just so synonymous with the genre and being like sort of the main title of the genre, which is kind of interesting because it's so, so unique of a game. It is great, though, and it, it is made by Treasure, who make amazing games, so it's not like it's not deserved, but it is just sort of an odd fit, I always thought, that Ikaruga would be the shmup. It'd be kind of like, I'm trying to think of, like, a good analogy to that. It'd be, what year
1: did it come out?
0: Oh, it came out on the Dreamcast in oh, so 2000 older area somewhere. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's it's older, but in the, in the world of shmups, it's not too old well that's what that's kind
1: of what i was thinking was like you know maybe if it came out like relatively recently where there's not a lot of like new shmup releases maybe it kind of got thrown in as the only shmup people know i don't know
0: i think it was definitely in the right place at the right time that was definitely a part of its appeal it was in definitely the right place right time type of game because it came out on the dreamcast sort of in it um was 3D, and it, it looks great, and then it has the mechanics, the polarity system. Like, it had all the pieces that were needed to make it, like, kind of a, a cool pickup to people who don't really... who aren't really into shmups, but they're more into niche-style things, you know? So it was mm-hmm. really in the right place at the right time, I think. It would be interesting, like, to see if a game like that came out now, if it would catch on as much. I would, I would argue probably not.
1: Yeah, you gotta wonder. I mean, because... So much now is um you know review sites and professional reviewers people look to those those people to provide them with the insight because you know not everybody's just gonna throw their entire paycheck at at games right so that is true that's a good point so you have to you know if you don't have reviewers that are going to either review them at all or review them highly i mean i know that if you look at the top reviews on the Switch, I mean Crimson Clover has really good reviews. Mm. Um, I th- think pachi Resurrection got really good critical reviews as well. So those things are reviewing well, but you know, without kind of newer things happening all the time, and if those things don't get publicity, they just kind of get un- inter- um, reviewed under the table, right? Of, and people don't see them. Well, how are you gonna? The real a huge
0: issue with shmups and like the reviewing history of shmups it's kind of weird is because they've always sort of reviewed well like almost all shmups like almost all cave games not all of them but almost all of them have reviewed really well historically and everything and they get good scores but it's kind of always like when you go back and you read those reviews and I've yammered on this topic quite a bit but if you go back and read a lot of those reviews they're always sort of treated as sort of a novelty item you know it's like Yeah, we're giving the game a good review, but it's just because we don't know what else to do with this thing. You know, it's not like, like the, the, there's, I have like two big pet peeves with reviews, with shmups. One of them is that they're, they're sort of like an exercise for reviewers to show how smart and how many words they know. So if you go and read a lot of like, this is why I kind of made fun of that R-Type Final 2 review by Eurogamers. Like if you go and read a lot of shmup reviews, especially in the sort of 360 era, a lot of it is just sort of an excuse for the reviewers to show off their literary skills. The you know they go real, they get real romantic with the language, and they get really like they're just telling all this this big old story and everything. But you actually learn almost nothing about the game. Like you right. you could read one and read the other, D- Resurrection SDJ. You would know, there's no difference. Katsui, what's the difference? Right, there's like no real substance to the reviews as far as what makes this shmup particularly different from another shmup or what what's interesting about it but it will sort of romanticize the genre and say well you know the ancient days of the japanese arcade you know and they do that whole thing every time (laughs) yeah so that's one pet peeve of mine where you don't really ever get to the actual substance of the review and another pet peeve of mine with uh shmup reviews is that they're just sort of really just pass they don't really like uh look for any particular things to criticize so like I, I actually feel like shmups sometimes review too well because sh- some shmups just get away with murder and they still get like an 8 out of 10 and then other shmups do everything. If the reviewer doesn't know the genre
1: though. Right yeah. Right? No other... like if the reviewer doesn't know the genre they're just reviewing like what are they doing right? Yeah exactly
0: and then other shmups like Ketsui Destiny one of the greatest shmups ever it did review well but if every single shmup reviews well how is that special you know what makes Ketsui Destiny special if you know psycho collection gets eight out of ten and it gets a nine out of ten like even though in my opinion the difference in quality between those ports is massive like if you're if they're both eights out of tens or nines out of tens it's almost meaningless so i think that's been the real struggle with shmup reviews Is just there's been no real um, way to tell them apart from one another. They just blend, they all merge and blend together in this big old uh, wash
1: of words. I think um, it's interesting that you say that because puzzle games, not not talking Ikaruga here, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> puzzle games. We'll leave Ikaruga and, out of this um one. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, like visual, not like walking simulators or oh, visual novel yeah, type yeah. games, right? Like those also tend to review pretty well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I bet. But probably also don't really do that well compared, you know, it's not like The Witcher 3 or whatever. Right, right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, or it's like the opposite of Dead or Alive, right? Dead or Alive always gets slammed by the critics and always, except Six. Six didn't sell that well. But normally Dead or Alive comes out, gets slammed by the critics, sells a bunch of copies. And I, I, I'm i a big defender of that series. but Or Ninja Gaiden, like anything Team Ninja, basically, you know, comes out. Critics <laughs> kind of smack talk it, but it sells well. And then, uh, yeah, then you have the opposite problem with shmups, puzzle games, visual novels, even like more hardcore RPGs, you know, so stuff outside of the main tentpole stuff, like all that stuff. You Reviewers will fawn over them, but they don't have that. Uh, mar- they don't get a wider audience, right? So right. that is an interesting, yeah, exactly. interesting aspect to it. Part of it, I think, is probably marketing, but I think also part of it is sort of a where The reviewers aren't necessarily trying to really communicate to the readers like what makes this visual novel good over another
1: one right Mm -hmm. or do
0: they even have a system to communicate that exactly
1: what do you think shmups could do um to make themselves more exciting to your typical gamer i mean you know people like you and i might be really interested in the gameplay and be fine with beating our heads against a wall for a while but right you know a lot of people probably aren't and so what is i mean do you put rogue roguelite elements in there or do you you know what do you what do you do well that's a great that's a great
0: question because i think a number of these ideas have actually been tried out and played out and we can sort of look at how it turned out for example like enter the gungeon could be a good example of that right that's like a roguelite shmup type thing right and that thing did pretty well so i would say in a sense that go on the roguelite route like if you were okay like take the broader con context of the genre away if you were just a indie developer and you came to me and you said mark i want to make money i'm making a shmup ish game now but i need to make some money here i need to get an audience here do i make?" Crimson Clover 2 type game? Or do I make Enter the Gungeon type too. game? Mm-hmm. I would say make the Enter the Gungeon game. That sales-wise, marketing-wise, reviewer-wise, like, whatever, interest-wise, that will probably be more successful. But as far as, like, the the genre itself, like, I wouldn't really want to see it go the roguelite direction because it is a pretty massive change to how the genre works if you start introducing too much roguelike elements into it.
1: And then with How curious do you think it needs to stay?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I think uh, everything you can get away with under the hood that you can keep the same, I think would be really strong. So like like the, the weird thing is is that this is actually there's even like small changes that could be kind of hard to pin down. For example, one trend that we're seeing with beat-em-ups that seems to be working commercially is extending the length of the game. So beat-em-ups went from 40 minutes to now two hours. Fight and Rage, unless you're hustling through that on turbo speed mode like I am, that's like a two hour game. A Streets of Rage 4, that's like a two hour game. I could see that easily happening with shmups, right? They take a shmup, now instead of being 40 minutes, it's two hours or whatever. And then Better you really, too. then you really stretch out that difficulty curve, right? So it's like, instead of being like that ramp, it's like this slow incline in difficulty. Right. Uh, I mean, that's one obvious change that could work for you commercially and everything. And reviewers would love it because they're like, oh my God, it's a shmup that's two hours long. We've been waiting for this forever. Uh, right. How many times do you see that? I was like, well, there could be more stages. <laughs> Actually, quite a bit. You'll I know. See that a exactly. Lot. Yeah yeah you see that in a lot of not just that ikaruga one which i cannot help but make fun of but also you'll see that like there's been raiden ones where they've talked about that i think raiden 4 reviews you know they're like well it's a cool game and everything but it's only half hour you know it should be an hour at least like modern reviewers are really into game length that's like a big thing with modern reviewers so that's like an easy sort of out you could take is just make it twice as long or whatever but Like personally, I wouldn't want to see that happening because I think it does really, really shift your experience of the game. So there's maybe some compromises there where you could like I wish Streets of Rage I wish Streets of Rage 4 would do this, where they have like the story mode that's all two hours. Then they have like a cut down arcade mode where they literally just throw out half the stages and just give you the good stages, and that's like an hour long. So you could just play arcade mode for an hour instead of playing story mode for two hours. That could be an idea. Um, that might be hell think, on earth for the developer, but you could you could do
1: that. Do you think it's because people on average are playing more games now for longer, so they want longer
0: games? I, I think it's just the... I wonder what you think about this too. I think it's just the way game design has shifted and sort of uh, even the way we talk about game design over the years has really shifted to, like, we want bloated releases. We want releases that are Ever expanding, ever growing, constantly new, but really not that new, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you see this in a lot of stuff, not even just mainstream yeah. games where like, oh, there's a new Neo, there's a new DLC, there's a new quest, there's a new DLC all of the DLC, there's new, like, you see that all the time, like constantly adding DLC stages, more stuff. But even in like fighting games where they're constantly, okay, here's a new DLC with character. characters. Here's a new DLC with characters. You know, by the time the game's over, the roster's like sixty-eight people or something. Think of Smash, right? How big is the roster of Smash now? It just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's mm-hmm. insane. I think that Yeah, I, I think you'll see that across all the genres, not just uh, not just the mainstream ones.
1: No, I completely agree. And I, I I think it's because people are gaming longer, they're, they're spending more of their time playing games. I think that's true. And, and so they want and, and right, like they start investing all of this time into something. And so this is and this is particularly like with something like fighting games. Right. Uh, when you spend a thousand hours learning all of your combos or whatever on this one character, and now they're just going to drop support for this and go to the next game and people lose their minds. Right. Like I put thousands of hours in this and I, no, uh-huh. I'm not going to be any good. I'm going to have to go to the next. Yeah. So <laughs> been there many times myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of resistance well, and people just generally are resistant to change. So Well, the fighting games
0: especially have them they've put themselves in a pickle, I think. It's it's like a double edged sword with this, because the idea Tekken does this. Uh, the idea is okay, in order to keep the game relevant, we need to do something with it every so months. Otherwise, because the way fighting games and just gaming is now is there, there's so many releases coming out this is this is a real problem with 2d games too where i go to my locals they are playing a different game every time i go it's absurd i'll go there one month it's like okay what are we playing strive okay so i go i get strive i learn strive i come back next week next you know month or so okay what are we playing now i thought we we're playing strive eh, you know Undernight came out so now we're all playing Undernight. all right let me go get Undernight. i go practice Undernight, come back all right, I'm ready to play Undernight. Yeah, but Blaze Blue got rollback netcode, so we're playing Blaze Blue <laughs> now. This is literally, this isn't hypothetical. This is literally happening to me. Every time I go to locals, they are playing a new game. So I, I came next time. I said, you know what? I am playing Tekken. I don't care what any of you guys are doing. I cannot do this anymore. So I'm gonna show up every week and play Tekken. Who's, who's gonna stick with Tekken or not? You know, that's just I had to put my foot down. But like, it is insane and so I think this is what a lot of fighting games are struggling with and a lot of like arcade like all genres of games are struggling with right now is they need to stay relevant or try to stay relevant so they constantly add new content so Tekken's on season 4 now they're always patching it they're always adding new characters they're you know Devil Jin's hell Sweep knocks down one month the next month it's nerfed it doesn't knock down then the third month it knocks down but the range shortened and then the next month it tracks way better all of a sudden is electrics work on both sides for a bit. Then they nerf that. It's
1: like a constant roller coaster of uh, experience. It's like the World of Warcraft Blizzard yeah, know. syndrome or whatever, right? Like yeah. where they just constantly incrementally change things. And you know, and and that's something you can't do with Schmups. Exactly. You can't just... <laughs> add more content like it is what it is because otherwise now you can't compete for scoring
0: yeah otherwise you you explode the scoring history imagine that imagine you get a world record the next month your world record is void because they add in another stage like all right now i gotta now i gotta learn the game again with a new stage in there and then the next Mm -hmm. month they're like well we felt like the milk on the stage three boss was a little excessive so we nerfed the milk on the stage three boss so your record's like unbeatable now because all the milking in stage three was removed. Like, yeah, you cannot no. do that with the shmup because it would no. destroy the competitive integrity of them. So that is a re- that is like a refreshing part of the genre for me, at least. Like, it is cool that in something like Don Pachi, I have this VHS of it. Maybe I'll edit edit a picture of it in here. Uh, I have a VHS tape of Don Pachi of a guy playing it in like 2000 and getting a 600 million score on a VHS in 2000 what's funny is that score is still competitive today not world record wise but for for me like I can't beat that score you know 600 million and so like I could literally compete with some someone from like 15 years ago today you know and it's the same game the scores are still equivalent there's no you know what that's that's crazy that's that's something that's super cool in shmups that's so rare in other genres that you don't really yeah
1: And it's also really nice for people who, you know, maybe they want a game, they want to get a little bit of that competitive uh, edge out, right? But they don't have time to go to a local game group and play. Or maybe they don't want fighting games. Maybe they can't go to the arcade. Maybe they can't do this or that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, They
1: can't join an online thing. You can still compete, right? Like you, you can just, and and you're sort of competing against yourself. Like how good can I be today Mm -hmm. versus how good can I be tomorrow? Exactly. And it gives you it gives you a sense of accomplishment without you know making you want to rage quit or right right or without that roller coaster of uh like I've
0: run into this I love fighting games I'll continue to play them but I mean they are a roller coaster competitive wise mm-hmm. where I got pretty good at Street Fighter four and then five came out and that was that and I didn't like five so it's like okay what do I do with this skill set it just melts away right or. Another problem is, like, I feel like I'm pretty good at some fighting games, but there, there's so few people who play them or care about them that it's almost meaningless. Like, I'm pretty good at Dead or Alive, but there's <laughs> there's not many Dead or Alive players out there. So, mm-hmm. like, recently I've decided, okay, as much as I love Dead or Alive, I'm still going to play it and play a little bit online here and there. But I'm going to focus more my energy in Tekken because it's just such a bigger scene and it is more widely recognized and respected, so... Like you run into that sort of issue a lot with fighting games that you don't really run into a shmups necessarily. You can a little bit, like if there's only, it's only you playing this one obscure shmup, it can feel that way. But like with pachi or whatever, you know, there's just, there's just a, it's more, much more stable, right? Like you're you're not worried about three years from now, are all the scores of pachi going to be removed? And plus the world record is so high you could spend twenty years just chasing the world record now. Like you don't even need any more scores to compete with, because that the skills ceiling is already so high that if you could even scrape at it, that would be impressive. So, right, yeah, like th- that type of thing, you don't really need to worry about with shmups as much.
1: I think that is a bit of a barrier for entry though for people like like myself who are newer to the genre. Yeah, like if if you were going to do some sort of event, like and you have shmup slam. Mm-hmm. And to compete in something like that, right, is really intimidating because you know that you're like if you're going to play against this niche group of people who have been playing shmups for who who knows how long decades. and <laughs> they're just getting these massive score, and you don't even know where the points are coming from. You're like, what is yeah. it? What is it even happening here? So there's always going to be that barrier to entry where people are like, "Eh, Do I do I want to go and even do this and embarrass myself in front of my people? You know, whatever.
0: Yeah, that that, I think that's the biggest competitive wise. That's the biggest weakness of shmups right now that we need to sort of figure something out for. That's kind of one of the, the main reasons I put slam together was because, like, the top end side of things is really compelling, right? Like, there's a lot in the top end, like if you if you come into shmups and you're like Moglar and you're chasing world records and right. there's a lot for you to do. There's a lot of people who will, well, relatively speaking, there's a lot of people who will be interested in what you're up to. Like, It has a lot of built in meaning, right? But that's a very small slice of the shmupping population who are able to do that. And so there's this sort of listlessness for newer players or like mid range players, myself included, where I'm not ever going to break the Dononpachi world record or anything. so. You need to find some sort of way to make your your gaming purpose feel relevant and matter a bit. But it's it's not realistic to expect everyone to be setting world records and everything. So that's why I thought like having an event like Shmup Slam, where it's more of just a demonstration across many skill levels. You don't need to be a world record holder or anything to, to get into Shmup Slam. Like having that, I think that's a, a really good way to go about it is having... Of a venue or an opportunity to show off your gameplay. Because even if you're not great, shmups are fun to watch live because, you know, you could die any second. And it is that the human drama element of the game itself is still pretty interesting, even if they're not world record players or anything.
1: I think that's a... that's uh, Well, first of all, I think that's a really good point. I think it's cool that you are setting up an event like that. Um, I think this gets back to that thing, though, that the, the competition... On the one hand right it's it's positive that you can compete with somebody from 15 years ago on the negative side you're competing with someone from 15 years ago yeah so <laughs> if you if, right if you go and play a fighting game right there's that one guy right there exactly all you have to do is beat that one guy and you've done something for yourself you've beat that one guy yes but you go play a shmup and you're never gonna beat this and you're just not there's no way to get around that fact
0: yeah i know and this has been a real this is, like, there's a lot of, like, unanswered questions for the genre that it, it could be answered, but what the solution is is a little bit vague, right? This is another one of those. As far as, you know, what what could you do with shmups to make them more immediately interesting competitive-wise? Competitive and there's, like, you know, leaderboards. There's that idea. Like, built-in leaderboards in games, I think that helps a lot. But again... It does. It, but it's... I think that's one really good solution people should do but it's still like yeah it would be cool to have some sort of that's why i tried the kumite event where you remove the scoring and just had like survival duels because toho seems to be somewhat successful in this because most of toho a lot of like toho world cup and everything a lot of it is like survival duels and that's a little bit more translatable i think to like competition than scoring duels because unless you're SPS and foo 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 and you have like incredibly similar scoring routes it's like impossible to pair players up scoring wise like Jamers and I both played on Unpachi we both got into alls but our scoring potential is so drastically different that unless Jamers' hand explodes or something like there's no way I'm beating his score so (laughs) but but it like in a survival duel it would be a little bit more doable that I could now I'm not saying that I could because I didn't but like it is conceivable that I could potentially get closer to beating him in a survival duel, because all he would need to do is not to all, and I two to all, and then I could beat him. So that was one idea I've, I've had, and I might do next after Schmup land Five. I'm going to do another Kumite to test this a little more, see if it catches on a bit. But like survival duels could be an answer. Yeah,
1: that seems like a neat idea.
0: And then of course there's uh there is uh PVP Schmups like rival uh rival Mega Gun that seems to be catching on a bit like that is a real thing like a uh, a uh, core gamer treff. uh that there's this german i've never uh, heard of it well it's this german um venue and they host in person uh duels in a uh, rival a uh, rival mega gun that seems to be pretty popular or popular ish for shmup so that's another idea yeah, i've
1: never even heard of rival megagun.
0: yeah well it's it's a newer shmup um, it is on the Switch, but I think the Switch version isn't that great because of the input lag. The Steam oh. version is the way you want to go, but that could be another you know avenue. Is like have actual direct
1: PvP shmupping. That's something that's been a little bit explored. Interesting. I'm trying to like think of what this would look like, and I can just keep envisioning like,
0: oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it, basically, the way it works, uh, just basically, is that you're side by side, sort of like you know competitive. Tetris you know how like you're side by side in Tetris okay. but you're not like throwing mm-hmm. Tetris blocks at each other directly so you're side by side and then the stage thing spawns enemies and you like chain them and combo them and the way you chain and combo them gets you meter or whatever and then that you shoot over at your enemy and there is a, there is a, a mode or a ability in Rival Maid Gun where you actually do take control of a ship for a minute or two and you fly this little boss ship and you fly it around their screen and it it's like nerfed so you can't just totally destroy them but uh so i think rival mega is probably the most the closest i've seen to like it's either that or twinkle star sprites as like a really good pvp shmup but there i have also seen like arena pvp shmups where they're like you literally are like flying around trying to shoot each other and stuff (laughs) i don't think those work quite as well but who knows maybe there'd be a because the problem with those is if you start to add on to those too much, you you just start shifting into like a third-person shooter or you'd start shifting into like a virtual on or something, right? So I, I feel like those aren't as interesting as like the side-by-side Tetris style one.
1: Yeah, because then is it really a shmup anymore in the sense Because we were talking about like how pure does the genre need to stay, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, because once you get like to that sort of battle arena thing, why
0: not just... Play a first-person shooter at that point or something, right? Uh, I mean, there isn't kind of there could be a nice middle ground there that I'm not seeing, but at this point, I think uh, the side-by-side ones I think work a little better. So now that you're, I I wanted to get a little bit more into sort of um, your your viewpoint on the genre, though uh, the fresh perspective. So right now, what when you look at a shmup, you want to pick up? What are you personally looking for? Like, what stands out to you is like this. Is either a buy or not buy for a shmup
1: i mean outside of uh, like you know watching you review it um
0: i mean is that a factor like if you like, like yeah, you're going along absolutely. the eShop shop and you're like oh what does what do what do uh, shmup youtubers think of this is, is Yeah, is that
1: a factor yeah absolutely because that's crazy <laughs> well i mean i think you sort of said this already or at least alluded to it the Quality of shmups is really like you know, you can either be way over here or you might be way over here, right? Yeah, on the screen. And if I haven't played it and maybe you have, then you can say, like, okay, this shmup is really not
0: right, that's very, very true, interesting. Yeah.
1: And it's not like what I mean, you have cave, right, which historically has all these great shmups which you know most of them are going to be yeah. really really good if not all of them yes but it's not like you know you had said treasure right as a great developer it's not like you can look at developer names and just go and usually and go oh this is going to be great because right. it's made by <laughs> yeah like so... right in
0: five versus right in four right that's a good a good one right
1: so really i mean how is a person to know unless you just want a shotgun approach and buy everything and then just test it out yourself yeah
0: that is true.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something I've,
0: I've, uh, I mean, I get it's interesting. Cause it's like, I get that my reviews could be helpful to people, but I do often forget that like new players might be getting a lot of information from my reviews. Whereas I always feel like you guys kind of already know this stuff, but it's good that I say it out loud type of thing. <laughs> but I do forget that a lot of people could genuinely have no idea until they watch my video
1: yeah and and you know for the most part i don't so i i now know right cave and i know some other things and i sort of know what i'm looking for um i really i enjoy bullet hell stuff but there's not that much out there really i mean you mentioned rolling gunner which i haven't picked up yet um but other than that like most of the things that are available on the switch i have So it's just about playing those things and trying to get better at them. And I think this gets kind of to the overarching whole point of this thing, which is how do we get new shmups in development that are good and that Mm, people want to play and that are attractive to people? Because there's only so long where you can keep playing the game where you have to compete with this guy from 15 years ago. Right, like, are are people just going to continue playing cave games for the next fifty years or whatever? Like, yeah, if well, something doesn't come out, de-
0: depending on who you ask, uh, that I actually don't know the answer to that. So, for example, if you asked Plasma that, he would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> he would say, "We don't need." He's even said like, "We don't need new shmups. Forget that. We have plenty of shmups as it is, and we all don't play them enough as it is. We could literally play." the the library of shmups we have now forever and we still would never get through them all because of how deep the genre is and how many titles there are out there but for me i i kind of see where you come from too it's like well you do want to see the genre progress further in some way right like it is like it is an interesting genre because it is so ahead of many other genres in so many ways as far as the game design the difficulty the quality like you're not going to run out of quality shmups anytime soon, but at the same time, they do sort of just stop, right? There's just an end point to the more bigger studios making shmups. And then from there we have indies sort of carrying us from that point, but it would be cool to see the genre pushed forward in like a huge way. Right. My, my, and my also to get new people. Right. Exactly. And to get people more interested in the genre, just mm-hmm. generally. My dream sh- shmup for this would be, like, best case scenario dream. This won't happen, but best case scenario would be, is you get Cave right, and they decide, you know what? Let's make Mushihimesama three. And but they get on board some graphical designers from Arc Systems who made like Dragon Ball Fighters or whatever, and I... they make Mushihimesama with Dragon Balls. Uh, like that quality, the arc system quality graphics, and they make those two come together, that would be my dream shmup right there. Just keep that brilliant, beautiful gameplay, but put on top of it just mind blowing graphics. And I've I always felt like this seems sort of like, you know, it's not that exciting of an idea because it's so obvious, but it also seems like, why don't we do this? This seems like the most obvious solution. Is just blow people's minds with insane graphics, because
1: and Arc System Works, you're right, is really good. Like yeah, Dragon Ball FighterZ on on the Switch, and then also um, they have uh, Blaze Blue. Yeah, right. I think Arc System well, does Blaze Blue as well. Yeah,
0: and guilt. I think the big and guilty is Guilty Gear uh, Xrd mm. when they came up with this whole. I think that game was a game changer as far as uh, visuals, 2D visuals, 3D, 2D visuals, because what, what it is, is Guilty Gear Xer, that came out on the PS3, which is crazy, is it's actually a 3D game, and it uses 3D lighting and 3D modeling and stuff, but they found a technique to make these 3D models and everything have this really stylized, awesome 2D look. If we put that on a shmup, I think that could be insane. Like that quality of lighting and graphics and particle effects and just but like in a really good shmup I think that could be a game changer that would be my my proposal is
1: for a game changing shmup I think that's an awesome idea that sounds so cool actually yeah yeah like yeah I love that idea
0: because they did it with fighting games they did it with 2D fighting games and now Arc System Works are like killing it right now they are absolutely killing it right now
1: so yeah, I, I feel like beautiful and it runs beautiful
0: yeah I feel like that could be a great like it works here I think it could work in shmups too because rather than trying to because I think honestly trying to shift the genre mechanically I don't think is as going to be as effective as shifting the genre visually I as far as sales getting people into it um, because I think I don't think the mechanics of the genre are actually the huge turning off point. I mean, there are things you could tweak a bit, like you're saying, like having some kind of modes where you're not absolutely destroyed in stage one (laughs) and stuff like that could really go a long way. Like, renaming it so you're not calling it super dumb baby mode. (laughs) Like, all those things could really help out a lot, but I think just that some smart decisions with the continue system, with the difficulty system, with the training modes, and then really pushing those graphics that would be my proposal anyway what do you think i
1: think yeah no no no. i think the graphics idea is a fantastic idea and also i think it would be awesome to see but i also think um if there was a way to which of course there is but it has to be done um so you have arcade mode right which Mm is is just you know you do the stages i could also envision a game that had not only arcade mode, but almost like a story mode where it had RPG elements. So you progress through stages and and a story or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you were able to maybe allocate points or something to change your shot, change your ship, change whatever. And then in the arcade mode, right, everything's standardized. You have to use this shot, you have to use this ship or whatever but so that it's competitive for scoring but then you have that story mode that allows you to customize things and kind of have another experience but still similar i think that i think that seems like a really good idea and i think
0: people have taken shots at it but i think um uh, the tricky parts like i'm i'm thinking that is a good idea but there are certain elements of that that i think you got to watch out for otherwise you could get yourself into like euro shmup territory a little too much for 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 example um like there's different things you could do to prevent this but one thing that i always worry about with that type of approach is like the drawing out so if you draw out that gameplay loop you draw that out and really extend it it -hmm. kind of doles it down to where it might be a bit boring in the beginning stages like let's say you start off the rpg mode and it's like You've just got this little baby standard shot and you're just sort of floating along, shooting a few enemies here and there. It it, it could easily be like, well, this game's a little boring, right? So Hmm. I I feel like... Yeah, it would have to be well done. Yeah, I'm trying to feel... I feel like that is a great idea, but I'm trying to think how you could pull that off without falling into that trap of like,
1: floating along is boring.
0: But it must be possible, right? Because RPGs do
1: it. Yeah, they definitely do. But then, like you said, you quit them in a couple I hours. I do. I, know. So I don't know. I quit them three hours in. So, <laughs> yeah, it is a it is a good question. How do you
0: how do you get, get that working?
1: I, I, honestly, I think what it does is it targets multiple audiences
0: because right. you have yeah. the
1: audience that will do that, but then you also have the more hardcore shmup audience that would play the arcade mode more. Yeah,
0: maybe that that like you say, maybe have a, that both options in the game that way you're not tied into one or the other too much i do like the idea and i do know a lot of people have thought about it a lot as far as like adding in an rpg style system into a shmup i think the closest i've found is radiant silver gun has a mode like that has story mode and has arcade mode and arcade mode is like an hour and story mode i heard is like two and a half hours (laughs) so that that would be a good shmup to uh, examine but the problem that I is, haven't played either yeah but the problem is with Radiant silver gun is that that didn't seem to be the uh the money right it was actually Ikaruga who came along and did much better uh success wise than silver gun did but maybe hmm. maybe nowadays that would work a little better than in the Dreamcast or Saturn
1: days I guess I came out on the Saturn right now we have that we need that longer gaming yes. experience yeah right
0: I feel like there's there's, there's like an obvious solution to it. It's just evading me somehow. As far as like getting people to get... Well, you play a lot of RPGs. You probably have more insight into this than I do. Like when you're playing an RPG, like what keeps you going? What keeps you in invested?
1: I mean, in recent years, I've had a hard time. I'm the same as you. I, <laughs> right, I can't imagine right. anymore. I play. you know, I, I played a lot of RPGs when I was a kid. Um, and it was the it was the character customization, right? It was the right build, building power and trying to optimize your character. I mean, right, there's there's the um, Magic the Gathering, I believe, has those archetypes, right? There's like the Timmy and the Spike and the, what was the other one? Johnny, I think. I'm not sure. So the Magic the Gathering, you were familiar with Magic the Gathering, yes, right? Yes. The card game. Mm-hmm. Um, the developers came up with a a naming convention for their players: Jimmy, Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. I think is what they were, and they each had a. And it was like, okay, we know that there are these three types of players out there, and this is why they play Magic: The Gathering. Oh, okay. Well, I want to hear
0: what are the three types
1: well i think it's like the timmy is like i just want to play big creatures and smash my opponent and i don't care <laughs> if i lose it doesn't you know what i mean yeah the johnny i think was like i wanna like play these cool cards and get some interesting effects happening and i again i don't care so much if i win i just want my deck to come together right okay so he's and like then the, the Spike, deck builder guy He's all he's into right. that.
0: I, I think I know these types of people. Now that you're sort of getting it getting it through to me, like the yeah. that guy, he's the guy who sits down and explains to you, well, if you have this card and you pair it with this card, then the status effect doubles here and then you can swap over exactly. this card. Okay, I get that. Yeah.
1: Okay, what's the third? And then type the then? spike the spike is the like tournament player, like, I'm gonna optimize, I'm gonna play whatever is optimal, whatever's the best, and I have to win at all costs. Like I Takedo. don't care. <laughs> he's the taquito. Right. So, so, you know, if you think of players in that way, Where which I'm you sure yourself? that this carries over, right, to video games to some degree. Now, the archetypes might be different, but Where would you I'm put sure that you could target. Three? Where do I fit? Yeah. Which are you of the three? Mm, probably Spike.
0: Yeah, me unfortunately. too. Unfortunately. Absolutely. I'm like 100% Spike. Yeah. I yeah. always play like top tier-ish characters and like optimize and yeah i'm the type of guy that's like well like this combo may not be on paper the optimal combo but if you hit it nine out of ten times in pressure situations it's the better combo even though the other combo yeah if you hit this two frame jab you can float them and then hit them to the wall technically you know what i mean like yeah yeah i'm a very spike type person for sure yeah timmy's Timmy's the guy is timmy the guy who does like three uppercuts and you block all three and he's like, I'm going for that fourth uppercut. I don't right? care what happens. <laughs> I'm gonna do the fourth uppercut. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so I, no, I am I try to get away from it, right? Like I try to go, no, okay. I don't need to always be optimizing everything. Like I yeah. need to just like, you know, and it never works. So I always go back to optimizing. You know, what's funny is I think the majority of shmup players would actually fall,
0: in the ones I know would actually fall into the Jimmy category where they're really into like the technical side of the scoring system, or oh, if you do this here and do there, and then like all about optimizing the games. And those types of players, I think, do really well in shmups. Um, I'm a, much more like the spike type of person where it's like, well, this may lose me points in stage three, but it's more consistent so that I can actually continue on to stage four here. So it is interesting. Yeah, you could even a- apply these to shmups.
1: Yeah, so I think you'd have to find... Yeah, you'd have to obviously do more uh, bigger company or something, get some market research going, that <laughs> yeah, or somebody yeah. with more intuition than me. But yeah, you know, figure out these various types of players, how to target them, and then what you would need in a game to kind of bring all these people in, or right. at least hit two of the three audiences or something.
0: Yeah. Well, what does Timmy want? That's the big question. We know what Jimmy wants.
1: We know Jimmy wants. Those wants. big explosions. <laughs> he the... wants all those metals I think that's, falling.
0: I think that's the missing piece. I think we got the spikes and the Jimmys. We need the Timmys in there. I think that's the missing piece of shmup.
1: Is how do you get? I honestly them think that's involved. the biggest subgroup. That's the biggest subgroup of people.
0: Yeah. How do you get them to feel like they're doing three dragon punches? You know? How do you <laughs> put
1: that into a shmup? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is why games like. Um, you know, Uncharted, and like these types of games sell so well because it's not like people are really doing anything. Like, if I think of playing a game like that, right, mm-hmm. I realize that there's no way to differentiate my play versus anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. Um, there's nothing that I can do to customize what I'm doing, make myself better. Whatever. It's just kind of like, it's like I'm Dynasty just going Warriors. through. <laughs> it's like... I've done the motions. Yeah. And but, but I think that there's a huge number of people out there that that's what they want to do. They want to see the big explosions. They want to see the character do some insane, you know, like whatever Jean-Claude Van Damme action thing that yeah. nobody could really do in real life. But whatever, they, they saw it happen there on screen and they felt like they were doing it. And all they had to do was press the button for the QuickTime event. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Some Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, actually DFK does a kind of a good job of this and Crimson Clover does a good job of this a bit. Where with the novice modes, I think they could do a better job with this though, is in the novice modes, rather than doing the super easy strategy, which I think is a bad idea, where you just cut down the stage and like remove enemies and remove bullets. Instead, what you could do is you could like secretly buff the shit out of the player, but the player doesn't fully understand how buff they are. Like you Mm. you could... underneath the hood make that hitbox like the size of a pe- like one pixel so they're just like right. melting through bullet patterns um or even okay this could be really good even add in some like sub sub uh like some really uh tricky ai where like the bullets they they give you a little bit of give but without oh, like really they actually come away from you yeah, right like yeah, right they'll they park just ever so slightly just ever so slightly before they hit you, give you that little bit of extra dodging room and stuff. That could now that could be an interesting idea. Where it It totally like, could. Yeah, where it's like not fully obvious that the game's be taking it easy on you, but it is. Like it's making your hitbox smaller. It's making the bullet hitboxes smaller. It's giving you a lot of auto bombs that like recharge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like the bullets sort of bend out of your way just a little bit. So if you're playing badly, they'll still hit you. But if you're like really trying, it gives you that little bit of leeway or even do something like as the bolts come close to you, they slow down just a tad, like just a tad as they near you. So you get that little extra time to dodge them. All that could be pretty interesting. It's like that could all be really interesting in a in a novice mode. And of course, you don't name Mm -hmm. a novice mode. You name it regular mode. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, Exactly. I think that's all I think good ideas the Crimson Clover had right like after you played a certain amount of time they give you type the type Z ship yeah which is has like the benefits of like quick it's movement best ship and ever and <laughs> yeah. also like the huge spread so you know you could you could even offer other options like that like more powerful yeah more powerful uh, ships and stuff I mean there are tons of people too that don't even care like they'll They'll just go. I'm taking this giant, powerful ship, <laughs> yeah. just do it. and they don't even, you know what I mean? Like they'll yeah, just me, do it every time, <laughs> just to see the explosions. Yeah, I think that, or like give a ship with like fully
0: piercing shots, so it like pierces through everything. All right, um, there could be a lot of fun ideas there. I think that is a good direction to go, rather than uh, for the Timmys, rather than trying to wipe the screen, and so everyone's sitting there like, okay, this is obviously easy,
1: and you're kind of, kind of belittling me a little bit right yeah So, and i mean you could even get like take the crimson clover example you could give somebody like unlimited hyper you know just like hyper oh, turn it on yeah. and off when
0: you want there there's a there's a mode like that in xbox 360 i will admit it's a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine it's in the pachi black label port it's type x mode you just have hyper all the time <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> it is pretty fun it's not very well made. It's not very well balanced. But I think the underlying idea is kind of fun. Like, just mm-hmm. give the player hyper all the time. And let's see how this rolls.
1: Speaking of uh, Dodonpachi, um, the Dodonpachi Resurrection Black Label Arrange, which is oh, a long yeah. name to say. Pachi. It's like a Ketsui <laughs> style. Is so amazing. Yeah, and it I makes me want to play actual Ketsui.
0: Yeah, that's a great arrange. yeah.
1: No, yeah. Th- those That's are another thing that's really awesome. cool There's those those big like pen that the big box you know that drops yeah. down like <laughs> 10 you, you, all those things yeah yeah it's another like like you were saying earlier the the little dopamine hit or whatever mm-hmm. right like it's the little reward system yeah. you see those big 10s flying at you as you keep yes. the chain going you're just like
0: Ooh. another interesting idea for shmup that I think if this was the 90s someone would have, would have gone this direction already but these days this isn't a as obvious as a direction was maybe make a shmup that's a little bit more violent right like has like Mortal combat style blood splatters and stuff like ninja gaiden 2 or whatever like it's actually surprising that there really aren't many shmups like that Gwange is a little bit like that but that could also be an interesting direction at least to get people to turn their heads you know like mm-hmm. a doom style shmup where you like blow right. the shit out of demons and stuff <laughs> like why hasn't that been made I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of good ideas here. Yeah, I know. Someone, someone, get on it.
1: <laughs> there was a uh, let's see. This was maybe way back on PlayStation. There was a Mortal Kombat, and I don't even remember which one it was now. That had like a Tetris mode. And right. And you played Tetris against your friend with Mortal Kombat, and then like you, you clear some lines, and your person would like you, you know your character would just like you know do some special move to the other character or whatever sitting over there you weren't really fighting Mortal Kombat. You were playing Tetris, but you were doing this sort of gratuitous violence on top <laughs> of the Tetris, which I think is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome.
0: Any other topics you want to cover before we close out the episode? Did I miss? I feel
1: like I might have missed one of, like, an important topic. I, so let me know if I did. I don't know. I think we... I mean, I feel like our conversation was pretty good. I think pretty fluid. We covered a lot of ground. I don't know if there's anything that you can think of. Let me know and cover Well, really okay. Quick. I
0: have one last uh, question for you. When you're looking sure. right now, when you're looking at a shmup, what are the biggest turnoffs that you see in shmups So you're like, eh, I don't know if I want this,
1: or I don't know if I'd be interested in this? Um. Well, the first biggest turnoff for me is um, non-verticality. Ah, those hoary shmups. Yeah. And Death Smiles is is quite good, and I agree with your, uh, at least from what I've played, I agree with your assessment that that's the best horizontal shmup.
0: Definitely my um, favorite. Another real contender it, is Rolling Gunner, though I will say that one's pretty good. All right, you sold me. Yeah, you you'll you'll, you'll I'll, be I'll playing get, it. You'll be like, why did Mark make me get this game? Right, but this it is a good. Novice. <laughs> yeah, play. Make sure to play novice mode because that is genuinely a very hard shmup.
1: I'll give it a try. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, oh, I guess Darius, Darius Gaiden was pretty. Oh, I love it, Darius Gaiden. Yeah. Good, yeah. But anyway, I, I share, um, I
0: share your uh, preference for vertical very much. Yeah. It's hard to get me yeah. to play a horizontal
1: shmup too. So vertical definitely is, is what I, you know, what I'd want to see. So horizontal is a bit of a turnoff. And then, um, you know, I, I really have to say, I like the bullet hell style. So if, even if I, if I was looking at stuff right now, and you showed me Don Maku, right, um, Dan three versus, I don't know, um, Tiger Heli, maybe. <laughs> sure, because I recently reviewed that. Um, I would probably pick Don Maku, right, because it's with more more stuff going on. Though I can see the other. You know the appeal of the other
0: yeah for me when it when it right now what what really helps me with the older style shmups like the non-bullet hell ones are the ones with like fast movement speed that i feel mm. like those really feel good so like right in time to react yeah it gives you time to react and it just feels a little bit more kinetic right than like yeah the really slow movement speed old school shmup so stuff like for example, uh, Musha, where you can, like, turn up that movement speed really high. Or, uh, oh, another one that just occurred to me and then I lost it. Uh, which one? Oh, Raiden, of course. Raiden Fighter's Aces, for example, where you can play the slave ships and stuff. And they are so fast. Like, the movement speed in those games are crazy. Psycho, sort of same way, too. Psycho is interesting because it's kind of a bullet hell and kind of not. It's an interest. It's like its own thing.
1: I, I was playing um Gunbird too. Oh, that's my favorite psycho actually. Yeah, that that one's um is interesting.
0: Well, it's ruthless it takes some... it's a ruthless yes. game. <laughs> Especially yeah. when you get to like stage 5, those bullet patterns are ruthless. There's a stage 5? There yeah, is, yeah. I think there's six <laughs> of them. <laughs> and then you there's actually a second loop too. So once you get through the first loop, then you're in for a real treat in the second loop. You should um, at one you, at one of these stages. You should just watch a a Gunbur to to all. Uh, those are wild.
1: That's a that's a thing that I um, don't do nearly as much as I could is is watch gameplay videos.
0: Oh yeah, that was actually a question I wanted to ask you. Is is that okay? This is okay. You have to be honest with me because I want honest data mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I feel like like pure gameplay. Stuff is actually really hard to sell to newer players or people who aren't super super into the genre. Like, how often do regular fans of the genre like pull up a five hundred mil replay and just watch it? Like, does game does pure gameplay appeal
1: to you all that much or not really? It definitely does, but after I've won CC, so and, and I'm like this with any type of game that I that I have played historically i don't like to look up information until i've experienced the thing myself and dealt with it myself because i want to see if i can come up with solutions now if i get really stuck maybe but i want to see if i come up with solutions now not everybody's probably like that um there's probably a lot of people that (laughs) i look it up immediately (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean I don't know but but once i once i've done it and i feel like okay i've accomplished this thing then i'm definitely yeah like i'll watch gameplay videos of you know watch somebody get 800 million and katsui or something i don't know whatever but
0: yeah it's interesting i think that's that is a i've always wondered like for instance i do these commentary clear videos on my channel and stuff and i always wondered like i they get like okay-ish views and everything but I always wonder, like, I enjoy doing them, so I'll probably continue doing them. the commentary clears are really cool. Yeah. I always I like wondered, those. like, do those have an untapped potential or is that just a,
1: just sort of an average type of video that people like? I, I can't decide. I, I think it's because it's, it's so nice because when you are able to give little tips here and there for people, you're like, oh, okay, you see right here is where you need to go in sort of like a U pattern because right. you're trying to get the book. Then I think it really helps people who, you know, maybe haven't figured that sort of thing out yet. And that makes them feel like they're kind of organically learning as you play yourself. Yeah, I always fear for those types of videos because I feel like those are very like old
0: school YouTube videos. Like if I'd made those seven years before, I feel like they would they would be more popular than like new school style YouTube videos. So
1: I think yeah. that that could also be.
0: But then again, you know, the shmup audience is a little bit more open to old school
1: style videos than like regular gaming audiences are too as well. Okay, so actually while we were talking here, I thought of I thought of other things um, that I think more shmups could or newer shmups could try, which I think are good ideas. One of them is Jamestown Plus is pretty fantastic because you're going vertically, but you're using the whole screen.
0: Ah, and also the, you the have horizontal So you like the
1: vertical? I think that's neat. Yeah, it's a neat idea. I still like, I still love Vertical Shmups, but the the idea that you have the whole screen to play with instead of, you know, the shrunk down piece is really neat. And the fact that you can get up to four people in there while it makes it way more difficult because there's so much stuff going on on the screen is, you know, it's fun with kids and... People really like that aspect of that
0: game. That really stands out a lot. A lot of people comment to me about that. Is that they really like the four P, multiplayer of Jamestown. Like that is a big selling point
1: of that game. I've noticed. So
0: the maybe other, the more other thing multiplayer that... stuff with
1: Shmup. I think I think multiplayer stuff would be actually really like co-op stuff would be really cool. Hmm.
0: Yeah, because you know, like almost all Shmups have the the two player, the two player option. But very few people I know ever really use that all that much.
1: Yeah. It's almost like it has to expl- like for some reason Jamestown feels like you're supposed to play a multiplayer. Right.
0: Well, it's literally most... designed
1: that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that um, I I remember there was this four player clear of Jamestown that was a lot of fun to watch on this is Slam three, I think it was. Or Slam two. I can't remember what of the they all blur together. I think it was Slam three though, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that a lot of people really got a kick out of. And that it it had people playing who weren't typically shmup players. Like, they're more uh, versed with fighting games, but because the one guy was like, hey, I want to do this, you all are playing with me. <laughs> like, like it can you can literally drag people into the genre that way too, so that mm-hmm. is a cool idea.
1: The last point I was going to make is um, there is a shmup on... The Switch, which I cannot think of the name of now, which tells you how much I play it, but um, it it's broken down into disjointed stages, so you don't go from one to the next to the next. And each of those disjointed stages hmm. has um, a number of uh, little goals to meet, right? Like it might be the first one would might be like destroy 60% of the enemies that come on the screen. The next one is rescue all the people the next one is sort of like sort of like warrior wear something like that yeah and i think that that gives players something to work toward within a stage without feeling like they have to try to clear it on the first try or they need a good score or like there's these little incentives to maybe i'll try the stage again and try to get this many right yeah that's like
0: so you like chop down the game, play a little bit more, and then you also add in different ways to interact with the stages.
1: Yeah. It's like little mini achievements. But yeah. Within, like, so you keep trying to get the next achievement, which also makes you better at the game.
0: Yeah. That is a good idea. I could see that being really successful, too, in like a handheld type of thing, like on the Switch mm-hmm. as a handheld. That's yeah. a good
1: idea. It feels very mobile gamey. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, mobile games are killing it right now. So there's some lessons to be learned there. As sure. as Cave will apparently tell you, yes, as Cave can attest to. I think actually, now that you mentioned that, you just described Cave's <laughs> described Cave's mobile schmup. That's what it is. Now that you oh mentioned really? That, yes, that's how it works. I played a little bit of it. It's all in Japanese, so it's hard to understand. But yeah, no, you do fly through the stages, and it has like Jamer's knows all about it. One day I'll bring Jamer's on, and he'll really explain the game. But Uh, yeah it it, it is like that you go through and you like have these little mini challenges and like one one stage will be like a boss fight and then you get uh like experience points and then you like level up your ships and all this stuff like yeah and that's a very successful model so maybe they just need to translate that to english
1: i mean i feel like i would definitely play this game
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah just learn japanese and you'll be all over yeah (laughs) that's my ideas well, I think a lot of them are really, really great ideas that... And it's good to have a new perspective, too, because, like I said, uh, sometimes we uh, like lose sight of what newer players are interested in and what they're looking for, what stands out to them, right? Like, what shmups stand out to them and what shmups don't. Like, for instance, Crimson Clover stood out to you, but Rolling Gunner did not. And I don't think many people would be able to predict that. A lot, maybe more people would think, oh, well, Rolling Gunner, because it's so associated in our minds with the Switch. We just assume like when you buy a Switch, you just, you're just you just handed a copy of Rolling Gunner with it, but uh, that's not necessarily the case,
1: so. I'm not sure, I, I honestly have no idea what really hooked me about Crimson Clover, the look of Crimson Clover, but it got me. And it's fantastic, so I wasn't wrong. It's all that gold, that's what it is. I think it was. Stuff blows up in the gold, that gets anyone
0: going. <laughs> It's like someone needs to make a shmup where it just like money flies out of the enemies when it comes to you. (laughs) Real money. Just give me money. Oh yeah, there you go. (laughs) I thought it would be kind of fun if they'd made like in Japan or something like a literal gambling shmup where you put money in and then like if you get to the clear or not, like you get paid. Like the way it would work is so you'd come in and you try to clear, right? You put your quarter in. And if you die, the game keeps your quarter. But if you win, it'll like spit out the quarters of well, a percentage of the previous players who died trying to beat the game. <laughs> so you could like go and jackpot and stuff. I thought that'd be obviously that wouldn't really work in real life, but that would it's be like kind a, of a fun
1: idea. Guild slot machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Well, awesome. Thanks for coming on, my dude. Um, Thank you. Is there a Twitter or anything you want to plug?
1: Nope, I try to stay off social media. Oh, um, wise man, I'm a weird guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a wise weird guy. Not weird, um, wise, smart. <laughs>
0: thank you. So he's here. Yeah. He's here for purely the passion, which is really cool.
1: Well, I and I thank you because your um, content, your passion, I'm, I'm sure, is infectious for other people as it is for me. So, uh, you know, your what you're doing is is excellent your content is helping people get into this genre even if it's you know little by little so thank you
0: well i'm really happy to hear that because it it does blow my mind a little bit from time to time (laughs) so that's really cool well thanks so much adios everyone yep thanks mark Thank you to the five dollar patrons: 100, 100 dingo, another Joe, Anthony A, Aaron Iodice, Aaron Solus, Ben, Blur SDG, borgie twenty two, Brian Reboot, Brian Shiver, Bubblegum Crisis thirteen ninety four, Chris Yusafovich, Chronic Burnout three, Corey Mark, Daniel Savage, Darren Griffin, Delta Tango six, Disco Star DJ four twenty, Praise It, Doves, Entropy, Eric H FCK, Full Set Retroschmupper, Hausu, Ilya, Kiwi, JLab, JB RPG, Gymn. Joe Angelo, John Kelly, Game Boy Guru, K, K2, Kikoman589, Larridge, Malays, Mark Toms, Maz, Death, 859 Minong, Mitch L Y, Queen Charlene, Nathaniel Davis, and Electron, Neon Dagger Games, Okla Googles, Phil Mason, Portal63, Rattlecat, Raul, Real Skeen, Riff Mason, Scanline City, 7 Overdose, Shane Sinsensky, SLW, Sniper's Paradise, The Boot Rex, The Rule Ikuzo, The Dirty Screech, The Old Bensta, TRL, Sugumo, Twilight EX, Plasmo and Utakaya. Thanks for watching.